Hi, I'm Akko. And I'm Marcy. And I'm Rain. <gasps> <laughs> and welcome to the Color Pages Book Club. We are still doing oh, this shit. <laughs> yes, we are, y'all. That's right. At, here at the Color Pages Book Club, which is a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from Colorful Backgrounds. Yes. Uh, of course, yes. And today, we're actually going to be talking about the magical, the iconic 1978 Black fantastical classic, The Wiz, which was produced by Motown Productions, starring Diana Ross. And y'all, literally everybody was in this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it was Diana Ross, Michael Jackson, Ted Ross, who was playing um, the lion, Mabel King was the Wicked Witch, Richard Pryor was in this motherfucker. Like, it was yep. just everybody was in this damn movie. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we're going to be talking about this fantastic movie, and joining us will actually actually be rain from carefree black nerd podcast if that sounds familiar it should because um a while ago we actually did a collaboration with rain on his show talking about uh the hbo max classic just iconic amazing show we are who we are so definitely check that out we'll link that in the show notes as well and thank you so much rain for joining us how are you thank you guys for having me i've been looking forward to this like all year so (laughs) (laughs) So, yes yes, the whole year no I'm, i'm good though i'm good you know just enjoying this panoramic, this penny proud, and oh. uh, <laughs> getting <laughs> getting back to me in this uh, Pandora's box. So, no. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, that's so that's so real. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about like your show, what you focus on, all that, all the good stuff? Yes, yes, yes. Well, um, listeners, I am Rain Coleman, the Carefree Black Nerd. My podcast centers on representation in comics, comic books, and related media. So really highlighting black and by POC characters of color in comic books, because again, this is my selling point, my pinch point. Superhero movies are making so much money and have been for at least a decade. If you get more black, brown, differently able queer people in the comics, then you can translate to screens. That's more money for those people. So I Ooh. am die hard on you need to get these characters in these books so they could be on these uh, TV and movie screens. Mm. Ooh, I love it. <laughs> Me too. Oh, I love that. Yes. Hmm. Have we had a conversation about Static and Icon and Rocket? Have we had that conversation? The comics from Milestone? Oh my God. The three of us? Or y'all oh, two? I was like, yeah, I, don't I, don't I don't know who any of those people are. Because I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm ready. Now, if you want to, we can get it. into it. I ain't got a okay. horse in this race, but. <laughs> Sorry. So, Marcy, for context, for context, um, there is this, it was called Milestone. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Who was the. It's who a DC was, imprint. Yes, exactly. And it was an original. Oh my God. I'm blanking on the. Dwayne McDuffie. Dwayne yes, McDuffie. There we go. Yes. And he wrote all these like black superheroes and was bought out by DC and then they basically just sat on the pro- the properties yep. for for so long um mm-hmm. and they ha- still have but this is the static shock television show static is one of his characters mm-hmm. um but he static's not the only character he, he had he had so many there was so icon there was rocket there rocket. was the whole blood syndicate people don't know about mm-hmm. that oh Hardware, my god yeah. I used to collect them. <laughs> I still have them somewhere. <laughs> I can come, them. On, come on, come on. I'm wow. such a dork. I know. Yes. yes, he passed away in 2008, actually. It was really sad. And they mm-hmm. the, they made a cyborg movie in like memory of him. It was a Justice League movie. He also wrote Batman, um, some some Batman, some Justice League. Mm-hmm. Ben mm-hmm. 10, the best Wait, run what? of Ben 10 is yep. Dwayne McDuffie. I know. he, And wow. you can tell when you're watching it 
that there's something black about the writing of Ben Ten. Yes, <laughs> that you're yes like, say that. What is say happening? Okay, I need, and to, I like, need to go oh back. God, it's Dwayne McDuffie. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. He was really, really cool. Anyway, so that's your nerd history. Everyone, go listen to Rain for more because he clearly knows. I mean, I I threw out that was that's not that's some obscure for him to just be like, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's yeah. So yeah. that's there you go, y'all. But before we get to the summary, I feel like my nerd credentials have have been solidified. With this. Yes, you really leveled up just yeah. now. I was like, yes. okay, I'm. I, oof. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, it is one of my dreams to like one day write like some type of comic property. But anyway, okay, mm. I have a question. Look at that a terrible <laughs> transition. So in <laughs> this, it adds charm. <laughs> <laughs> in this retelling of the Wizard of Oz, obviously it's an all black cast, and you know there are the three characters: the um, the Scarecrow and the Tin Man and the the cowardly lion and they mm-hmm. all want to ask and of course dorothy they all want to ask the whiz for something mm-hmm. if you were in the wizard of oz what would be the one thing you ask the whiz for Ooh. oh <laughs> jesus <laughs> yep that's a really good question and also i guess yeah for context um i mean they went on a whole journey so i'm like this yeah. better, like, I, i'm not about to ask the whiz for like some skittles like it's about to be some <laughs> shit that is worth <laughs> the damn i have to escape all these okay hmm i gotta think about this i guess I'm like, am I just perfect? Like, is there like just Oh nothing? my God, I love <laughs> it, Mercy. I love it. Um, <laughs> I feel like if I, something that would justify going, going on a whole journey, and that, that kind of reflects some kind of like, I guess, virtue or like sort of emotional dedication that I want to make with my life. Mm. I really resonated with the Tin Man's journey in a lot of ways. Like this idea of like, I want to, you know, like go to the Wiz and like, you know, basically like, Yes, ask for a heart, but like the heart being a metaphor for like feeling and emotion and stuff like that, and just being able to like experience vulnerability in an unbridled way. That really spoke to me. So I guess if Mm. I were to like, I'm not about to steal the tip. Like that's lazy. If I'm just like, I'll just do what the Tim Man did. That's we're not doing that. (laughs) But I guess maybe I would. Hmm. (laughs) I'm feeling very happy because I feel like I kind of stumped y'all. Yeah, I feel like you've asked harder questions than this. I don't know why this is so hard for me. But I guess I would probably say I would want to have some, like, I guess I would kind of ask the Wiz for, like, just, like, a unwavering sense of self. Like, I think I would kind of ask for, because I think sometimes, I mean, and this is also just very human, so I even struggle with saying this, but I feel like sometimes, you know, like, being a person, you know, some days you're like, I'm great, I'm lit, we're out here, love it. And then other days you're like, wow, being a person today is really difficult. I, I guess I would kind of ask for, like, you know, in those moments where, like, things just feel, like, very unsure or, like, I just, you know, you kind of, like, lose your footing or, like, you lose your confidence in yourself, just kind of having that, like, really solid resolve in self and like and, and then we'll talk about this but in the whiz you know they they have this um glenn the good the good which sings this song about how for example when you're really comfortable in yourself like your home anywhere like wherever you are mm-hmm. and i feel like that's kind of what i would like i guess throw to the whiz not like yeah so just be like yeah like help me develop that sense of home in myself that's like very stable like mm-hmm. all the time it doesn't feel so capricious um not the most fun answer, I guess, but like, yeah. No, I, guess, I like, think it was very just, good. Yeah, so I think that's probably what I would, yeah, I what like I would ask for. What about y'all? 
Oof. Uh, <laughs> um, so I took this like two totally different ways. Um, if we're going for me not knowing that it's going to be something I have to have within me, then to get a little sad, it would be like to speak to my mother and grandmother again. Mm. But mm-hmm. if we're going off of the movie itself, I would ask for um, clarity and discernment. Like both in all things. No, yeah. Like I, I, I would need to uh and, and then kind of even circling back to the whole parent thing, um, of context, my mother passed away a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I would like to like when my mother was alive, I don't care how grown I was, I was always able to go home and not even just like physically go home, like speak to her. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be about what piece I'm going to get. It could be about how was your day. It could be about, should I take this job? Mm-hmm. And now that I am an official adult and I don't have that um, piece of home, I still have family, of course, but I don't have mm-hmm. that piece of home mm-hmm. that would make me feel confident enough and also childlike enough at the same time where now it's like, no, you have to make decisions on your own no matter what, like your, Mm. um, your success, your future depends on you making these decisions. And there are times where I am questioning myself much like others, I'm sure, but I'm questioning myself and I can be focused on, let's just say, um, should you take this job? Should you quit this job? And that's something that's very personal for me. But once I reach a decision, then I get that little tinge of like, oh, you can't go home. You can't ask your mom about this. You can't weigh the pros and cons. You can't vent it. So to where I lack in that regard, I would love to have some discernment and clarity like innate or more amplified where I not necessarily forgetting about home, but where I can make these decisions on my own and not feel that slight sadness where it's like, even if this is the right decision for me, I can't celebrate it with my mom. I can't Mm. stress about it with my mom. So again, so not to bring it down, but just like that was, Mm. and and my mother loved this movie. So so yeah, so this is like, ah, yeah, discernment and clarity is what I would, my final answer. Mm. I love it. Okay, these are really, I thought I stumped the two of you, but no, you both got it. You both did a really good job. And now you've made me change my answer. My first one was like (laughs) self-esteem and resolve my second one was like okay fine you took that one i'll do discernment and then you said discernment i was like oh my god okay (laughs) so my luckily i have a third one my third one is inner inner peace i feel like i get very anxious and then i I let that anxiety kind of control control like what what i do i get a little flighty um Mm -hmm. so i'd probably be like some type of shoot you know dorothy would meet me and i'd be like some type of easily scared creature or something mm. and i'd be like if i only had a nervous system that worked you know but the reason i like this question and why i thought about it was because it's not about the whiz obviously that's the whole point is the wit is a is the whiz is a fraud but the mm. idea is these things that you have the capability of doing and having inside yourself but have to go on a journey to discover it in in yourself and i like the journey part of things because when you choose to change or you want to change it doesn't instantaneously happen that you have now changed there's 
a number of choices, right? And with each choice that you make, you become that person that you want to be. You know, Dorothy is scared and then, and, and, you know, a little anxious too, (laughs) lacking self-esteem. And as she goes on, she becomes confident and, She's not necessarily confident when she starts to when she saves the scarecrow. She's like, "Oh, these crows are kind of wild." But by the time she gets to Eveline, you know, she's over here like freeing whole dance troops from oppression. (laughs) So, yeah, I think you guys' answers are all very good. Um, Thank you. (laughs) So I think we'll take a quick break and when we get back we're gonna do a summary slash discussion yes see you on a bit <laughs> and we're back mm-hmm Woo. Okay, so we're going to do a quick summary of it was, although obviously for many people, the storyline is pretty well known, but you've never heard it told like, no, you have, you have heard it told like this because it's the old movie. <laughs> but, um, you know, spoiler warning at the beginning. I know some people haven't seen this yet. Which girl, I'm sorry. A spoiler for a movie made in 1978. I'm sorry. It, it is what it is at this point. You had With a plot 40 years. That was from like 1912. Yeah. But yeah, so here we go. The Wiz is a retelling of the classic Wizard of Oz book and movie, you know, the famous movie with Judy Garland and with an all black cast. And it's set in 1979 New York, as well as like an Afro fantastical New York equivalent for when they go to the Wizard of Oz world. Or I guess mm-hmm. Oz, not the Wizard of Oz world. <laughs> um, and <laughs> Dorothy Gale, paid by Diana Ross, is a 24-year-old kindergarten teacher who has never been past 125th Street in Harlem. Mm-hmm. Her auntie, Auntie M, played by Theresa Merritt, is kind of concerned about her you know her daughter auntie m's daughter is like doing you know she's settled down she has kids very traditional way you expect life to go but dorothy seems a little stuck she does you know auntie m talks to her about it and she does enjoy working as a kindergarten teacher and auntie m's like well what if you worked as a high school teacher and what about Mm. that fine boy that came over and dorothy's (laughs) like no i'm happy with what i have but it sounds like she might be you know in a musical soliloquy on the side it's expressed that perhaps she is a bit scared and less happy so, one night, Toto manages to run out of the house into a snowstorm. Toto's her dog, by the way. Yes, Toto is her dog. <laughs> and Dorothy follows him out to like, go save him. But during this time, she is whisked away by one of those very common New York snow tornadoes that we often see just mm-hmm. traversing through Harlem. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when we find out later that, of course, Glinda the Good Witch, played by Lena Horne, um, actually was the one who blew, I guess, this snow tornado into 1979 New York. And she is whisked away into magical i don't know oz world upon arrival she has <laughs> killed evil mean and frees the munch munchkin kids and miss one who is one of the good witches tell oh miss one is played by i think mabel king no no mabel, mabel king, king is, is um yeah she was the uh evil lean who was yeah um, who's miss who one I can't remember, but Ms. One is in the movie, and she, <laughs> she is there. <laughs> <Bro>. <laughs> and 
She tell she thanks Dorothy for her for her kind act, although Dorothy's a little shook. The kids did come out of the wall too, so it was kind of wild. Like they were stuck like in the wall paintings, and they were like, "You freed us from our cartoon caricatures of ourselves." And um, from the spell that we were put under. And she's like, okay. So then they're like. Also, real quick. So Thelma Carpenter apparently was Miss One. Oh, thank you for being a responsible individual. (laughs) No, you're you're totally fine. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) So um, Dorothy's like, to be honest with you, I really just want to go home. And uh, Miss One is like, okay, bet. Follow the yellow brick road. You'll find the Wiz. And he can bring you home because he's a great and powerful wizard and she's like mm-hmm. cool 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 so she tries to jump into a cab and the cab's like mm, i'm not the yellow brick road and they just drive away so she starts on her path she's not sure where her path is or where the yellow brick road is but eventually she comes across a scarecrow played by michael jackson and he is being surrounded by very negative crows and they're telling him he can never come down from where he's his little perch and he's stuck there forever but mm-hmm. dorothy frees him and he tells her that she he wants to have a brain and she's like well i'm gonna go see the whiz do you want to come and he was like well, i'm not doing anything else so he <laughs> danced Truly away had nothing else going on <laughs> <laughs> he like opened up his schedule and was like oh it's blank <laughs> so, this is a blank sheet of paper he's like, oh okay but one really cute thing about the scarecrow is he's stuffed with um th- like Confucius and Buddhist and literary sayings from various time periods. And so he pulls them out and he reads them. Um, mm-hmm. And it looks like he's been reading a lot of them. So that's his little shtick, I suppose. So then they keep going, keep going, keep going. And they get to an abandoned amusement park where they find the Tin Man, who is played by Nipsey Russell. And he is suffering from not being able to understand his emotions and they're emotionally repressed and he wants a heart. And so Diana Ross and Michael Jackson do a little dance number and they're like, hey, we're going to see the Wiz. You want to come? And he's like, if I could come with you, that would be great. So he goes to, he, the song is much better than what I just sang. And so the three of them hop on down, down the street towards magical public library in New York, where there's two little stone lions sitting outside of the, the building. And they realize that the stone lion is actually alive and out jumps the cowardly lion played by Ted Ross. And he's like, I have toxic masculine ideas of courage and leadership and i actually am super afraid and they're like well if you want to be brave you can come with us to see the whiz who will give you courage and he's like that sounds great so off they go to see the whiz they're dancing down the street everyone's having a good time and then Mm -hmm. they come across well in the original book it's a poppy field and this movie it's a poppy club and everyone's Mm -hmm. you know just a little high having a little fun but they realize they've been waylaid from the gym to see the Wiz. <laughs> After that slight subplot that actually has really no relevance to the rest of the story, off they go no. to, see, <laughs> to Emerald City, which is in a bank vault, yeah. and everyone is having like a Vogue like runway show. But mm. every time the Wiz decides a new color, the whole Emerald City turns into a new color, and everyone denounces the color before, mm. while looking very fabulous while doing so. So they eventually get to the Wiz, who tells them behind this huge silver mask, 
man <laughs> to go defeat <laughs> evil the wicked witch of the west eveline played by mabel king and so dorothy and her three entourage go and they go to this industrial factor where eveline is just being capitalist and evil and they <laughs> dance and they sing and they throw some water and they save all the workers who are then transformed from their oh no like worker selves into who they actually are which is beautiful melanated black people of different shades who are actually in the alvin and ailey dance troupe but not really because this is an afrofuturist world <laughs> and they do a dance number and it's beautiful and so the four are happy and they're like woo we defeated the eveline yeah 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 so they go back to the whiz who they find out is actually a fraud played by richard pryor and richard pryor is mm. like i wanted to be a politician but i couldn't make it so then i used a stunt and i got into a hot air balloon and i tried to explain to people that i would be the best but that air balloon was whisked away probably by another frozen tornado or something <laughs> off probably. to the land of oz <laughs> and i've been here ever since and then Dorothy's like, what am we supposed to do? We've done all this. But then she realizes everyone had what they needed to be who they were all along. The lion already had courage and the scarecrow already had a brain because he thought of all their plans. And mm. the tin man already had a heart because he cried on everyone and made everyone, you know, feel better. So they're all happy. And Glinda, good, the good witch, is like, sings a song about how home is where the heart is. And if you know yourself, home is wherever you are. And everyone feels liberated from the black experience and feels a sense of home and community. And Dorothy is whisked away back to New York, where she grabs Toto and runs back home to her loving family, who is eating some holiday meal. It's unclear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this could be Thanksgiving. Yo. It could be somebody's winter holiday. Like we have no. Truly, it could be. It, it could be someone's birthday. We have no. Mm, idea. Really. What, what, what exactly is it? Some, I have no. Anyway. Yeah. But yes. Well, thank you for that, Akko. That was a really great summary. Um, of course. So I guess yeah, we can just like, kind of just jump right into the into the discussion piece. So mm-hmm. I guess I'll start by just being like. Y'all, when I tell so it's so interesting. So The Wiz is one of those movies where like like I mean my entire life, like people have been like referencing it. It was it's always been this like huge cultural staple. And I just kind of assumed by like cultural osmosis that I had seen it. But like sitting down and watching it yesterday, I was like, Miss Mama, you have not actually sat down and watched this movie. Like I was watching it and I was like, Why am I seeing all of this for the first time? And then I just felt denied in my childhood. I'm like, how did I not ever see this movie? Like that's actually wild. Um so better late than never, I suppose. But I love this movie. I was just like, there's just so many like deep, nuanced things that we can kind of get into. But just like on the surface, like the music was just, just phenomenal. Like the like I was literally every other song I was just like adding to my playlist. Like I thought the choreography was really, really dope. Um, even for the villains, shit. I mean, when um. Dorothy finds the scarecrow and like you know the scarecrow is being terrorized by the crows. The crows had like you know really good like dance number going on like had a really great jazz technique taking place i was like okay i'm oh loving my these turns like i'm loving all yes. this energy yes. um it was just there was such a jubilance in the movie like it was just like despite the like absolute fuckery that is happening in us like people were finding joy at every turn despite their circumstances and it was just very it just felt very real in the sense of like 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 in real life you know people despite whatever circumstances or systemic issues are taking place like still find ways to like just like live their lives and like build community and stuff and so i just really loved it and like i just feel like there's such a watching it i'm like i i'm not sure if there are other 
movies like this nowadays mm-hmm. that just like centers so much just like black joy and magic. And, and you know, it's funny. We so Akko and I, you know, we talked about um, Roger and Hammerstein. I think that's like the official title. Mm. Roger Hammerstein's yes. Yes, um, Cinderella. Yes. And like I kind of had a very similar like whimsical, fantastic black, just like joyous ass energy yep. like it was like issues were going on there was definitely problems taking place in the kingdoms but like mm-hmm. there was just joy and i feel like nowadays i don't know we have representation but i feel like so much of it centers around just like black pain and suffering yep. and just like in, in in a way that like i'm not sure what i guess the contemporaries of these types of movies are so it just felt very timeless very beautiful very like and almost like kind of it made me just a little bit sad that like we i don't have as much um Things to reference at this point that are similar to this. Um, but yeah, but what did y'all think? I, Marcy, I echo a lot of your points and actually so does the, well, I echo a lot of your points and also when I was watching this, I re- recognized that there's a couple of things that are really different about the original Wizard of Oz and this one. And the original Wizard mm. of Oz movie, Dorothy doesn't seem that loved or to love her family that much, right? Auntie M doesn't mm. seem that interested in Dorothy. <laughs> um, <laughs> it could be like a cultural difference, like, oh, we're, you know, stoic farmers and we don't show our emotions like that. Very possible. Yeah. Maybe part of the journey is like recognizing, oh, home, even though my parents or Auntie M seems hard, she's actually very loving. But mm-hmm. in this movie, Auntie M is really, really caring. There is so yeah. much love before Dorothy goes to us that it, I was like, oh, yeah, I would want to go home, too, if I was Dorothy. You know, when I watched the original Wizard of Oz, I was like, I'm staying here. (laughs) I was like, oodles (laughs) of fun. But this one, I was like, I understand why you would want to go home. I I really feel that. And this story is not about a lack of community support. It's about genuinely a personal journey of self-discovery. And I really, Mm -hmm. really loved that. I loved that it gave a chance for a black girl to be a black woman really to be have low, low self-esteem and go on a journey of discovery. Whereas in the present era, they kind of paint black women. as like, Oh, they're the confident ones. No one needs to invest in them. They're the ones holding all the other people like, you know, yada, yada, yada. So I really like that she was human in that way and funny and silly and scared. And it's just a lot of range of emotions, which I really enjoyed. Um, I like that in the background because so in the Wizard of Oz, things are kind of mostly happy <laughs> as they travel. Like it's a little scary, mm-hmm. but there is a little horror underneath their path. Ooh, if not a lot horror. of horror, right? Yeah. It's actually terrifying. There's almost like an urban <laughs> decay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it makes sense if you think in the context of like 1970s, you had the leave of manufacturing from America and the loss of black American jobs and Reagan's coming soon because we should all just be concerned. But (laughs) there is this underlying sense of horror and this rebellious joy, (laughs) you know, that like sees this horror and like there's a point where they're going to see the Tin Man and they're dancing on this stage and behind the stage is these like caricatures and they're all like their mouths are open and they're screaming <laughs> but they're like do 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 dancing <laughs> and it's this oh that's real yeah yeah and i think that's where people that's where i started to see like oh this is where get out gets its like comedy plus liberation plus joy but darkness aspect to it and that's so fundamental to the black american experience this interaction of horror <laughs> and like fun mm. um 
And I really love that because that's very different from the original book and movie, but it simultaneously takes the allegorical nature of the original because the original Wizard of Oz was an allegory about the American development in the 20th century. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this does the same thing, but with the black American experience in, in the turn of, you know, the late 20th century. So that was really dope to me, <laughs> apart from it just being beautifully choreographed and with Come the on. colors and the imagination. Yes. Oh, I mean, my God. Like, I was like, why have I not seen this? And then oh. also, okay. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm I'm shocked. Like, this is your first time seeing it? Both yes, of you? this is my first time. Yikes. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I know. I, I know. know. So that was, but I was so joyous and happy seeing this. And I was like, there's also, so the original Wizard of Oz was the first movie in color. And I just thought that was such a metaphor for it to be the first movie in color and for this to have an all black cast. I don't know. In my mind, I was like, the metaphors are I'm here. I'm with bound. <laughs> so I, and the thought that's, oh my God. And the script, I'm sorry. The script is actually, it is hilarious. It is well-timed. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. My God. Ugh, I just, I, this movie is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But Rain, what did you think? I hated it. No, I'm joking. Um, this was oh my <laughs> god. Okay. <laughs> right. This sucked. No. Um, this was an amazing movie, and I have like such deep rooted like adolescent memories tied to this movie. Um, mm -hmm. Quick story: When I was like, I don't know, maybe seven, all of my cousins. I'm the only cousin that is. There's just one of me. All my cousins are multiples. So one day I was at my aunt's mm. house and uh, one of my older cousins, she was like, yeah, they're twins. They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to put on a movie or whatever. Let's watch The Wiz. I heard Wiz. I'm thinking Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. They clowned me. And it wasn't. It oh, was in a no. very loving way. It was like, oh, no, you got to see it. I don't know where you've been your whole life. I'm seven. Six or seven. And <laughs> like we seven, sit down, come on. Like, and I had this, this, like, sinking FOMO feeling before I even know knew what it was. <laughs> where even my cousins that were like younger than me, they were like, "Yeah, oh this my is God. great." I'm like, "Oh shit!" So we sat down and watched the movie, and I was like, <laughs> "It like imprinted on me." Where I hadn't watched it in a few years. Of course, I watched it for this recording, and I was just a child again. Like a mm. lot, all of these songs, I can hear my mom singing. I can see me mm. and my cousins dancing. Around. It's just, oh my god! But watching it again as an adult. I agree with everything you guys said, but even this may be a stretch, but I don't think it's a stretch. Okay. Um, a lot of things that you see, of course, are based off of other things that came before it. At the very least, if I write a book, it's going to have my life experiences. So you might see, I like Twilight. So you might hear a word or something in my writing that mm. might be like, oh, that's kind of like Twilight. That being said, when watching through this as an adult, the three things that came to mind were Infinity Train. I don't know if you guys have seen that on HBO Max. I need to. Mm -hmm. I need, it's on my list. It's 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 a it's a cartoon where there's a train. It's Infinity Train. When someone is going through like issues or problems in their life, they get on the train and they can't get off until their number counts down. And it counts down by you kind of essentially going to see the Wiz, realizing your faults or what's going on with you, and then you're able to get off the train. Mm -hmm. um, Lovecraft Country as well, because it was horrific as heck. And uh, what else did I have? The Get Down. And mm. these three things, they're so different. But I saw so much of 
like the birth of these three properties in this movie. And it might not might not be it, but the way I'm like, you know, my lived in experience, like tracking the things I enjoy, this fits very much in line with those mm-hmm. three properties. And mm-hmm. like you said, the horror, the, first of all, the color, the color, not even just the melanated people, but the color yes. in the film, the deconstruction of uh, the Wizard of Oz, where you're now overlaying this, not in Kansas, but over a New York Mm-hmm. where even the yellow brick road isn't the exact same the poppy exactly. club being a bunch of you know sexy people for lack of a better term <laughs> doing what they do it's ah, i am so in love with this movie yes it's mere existence ah i look I, yep. I loved it i loved everything about it i mm-hmm. i love the black people dancing hopping around acting a fool enjoying themselves and then having this joy that i don't think has been mimicked or has not been um at least in the last 10 years and i could be wrong but it hasn't been represented the same way um especially because now if you're getting into the arts and you are of a certain community if you're a black boy who wants to dance ballet and do yoga and stuff that's deemed to be more feminine or more quote-unquote white stuff or more Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. that aren't so rooted in sports sex and power it's like Mm -hmm. are we ever going to get uh the whiz again an organic the whiz oh my i just that's let me zip it up. No, I think you you said such like so much truth in your in your summary. Like you basically hit all of the points. Like which is what we were talking. Marcy and I watched the movie together yesterday, but okay. that's what we were talking about. We were hard pressed to find something this joyous that had happened in the last ten years in cinema, and it was. You know, I, I think I, I when I watched this, I was like, "Oh, Brandy Cinderella is an offshoot of The Wiz." I was, I mm-hmm. just, I immediately oh, was like, "Oh, period, like period, yeah." It like. is a direct descendant, no holds bars, <laughs> and I, yeah, right. um, and I agree. Well, I, I was trying to think of reasons. I was like, maybe it was the writers' strike. I was like, maybe the turn of the two thousands, we were in started perpetual wars, and then like intense patriotism i was like maybe it was integration and this idea of having to follow this new standard of like whiteness i don't know i don't know what happened i have Mm. no idea but i do know and i was like maybe there was a lot more money for the black community and it's like been you know what i mean like now media Mm -hmm. is controlled by Mm -hmm. it's very white behind the scenes everyone admits it is very very white behind the scenes and they have very specific ideas Mm -hmm. of what people want to watch and how black people should be portrayed and that wasn't true in the past and then i wonder sometimes i'm like this the wiz is a powerful piece of art and it was panned by critics in the 1970s panned and you're like this was mm-hmm. panned this was panned and wait as like, people like didn't like it not black people black people loved it obviously mm-hmm. but the white the white critics the movie industry said it was not a good movie um See. which why that's why the rotten tomato score was so low marcy but um mm. And I think part of it was there was a fear behind how much revolutionary joy and liberation is in this movie. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's a stretch to say this, this is a powerful movie. Um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't have an answer. I don't know. I hope we get something like this again. I really do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
No, yeah. I hope so too. Because yeah, honestly, I I agree with you. I think that something like the Wiz could certainly. I mean, if you were like. I need to uphold white supremacy. Like it obviously threatens that at like every turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like, and even in the depiction of the, yeah, like just like the struggles that people are going through, it's just like, I don't know. Like it, it's just very counter the narrative in so many ways. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, it's just, it's just so, oh, it's just so good. It's just so good. Um, mm-hmm. I did want to, I guess, talk about some of the characters like more specifically. Oh, I love it. Um, so I, <laughs> so I, I'll start with I guess like the things that I like lived for, and then there's some things that I have some like some critiques of the movie. You know, there are things mm-hmm. that always critique. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I just want to yeah continue on this energy of like I'm standing for this movie basically. Um, <laughs> so I don't know about y'all, but I was living for the lion's character, and I don't know why. <laughs> I feel like I feel like. Even down to like the lion's like voice, like just yeah. like whenever he would cry or like do some shit like that, it was always just so funny. Like I was like, I don't know, just something about like the cadence of his voice was just like hilarious. Like his mane was just like just laid to rest, like laid mm. for the gods. Like that hair was popping and curly, just looked mm-hmm. phenomenal. And I was like, this lion, just I don't know, the subtle comedic like things that the lion would do was just like just so funny to me. And also, too, even, like, I don't know, like, just, like, when they were, like, so there was a scene where, like, they were, like, <laughs> they were, like, in the, <laughs> they were, like, so, so our crew was, like, in the subway, um, and there was, like, someone that rolls up and basically summons these, like, giant cockroaches. Oh, my God. And what ensues is just complete pandemonium. Like, the lion's, like, oh, shit! It, like, run, like, bolts out the damn subway, leaving everyone behind, yes. including Toto. Oh and was, like, God. oh, actually, let me save our friends. So, like, saves the friends from, like, the cockroaches. And then, like, the subway just starts to, like, kind of, like, just, like, weird shit starts Break happening like the tra- and like <laughs> right like the trash cans in the subway like grow teeth and start like biting mm-hmm. the scarecrow like the pillars that are like keeping the ceiling up start like <laughs> closing in on dorothy and like the lion saves everyone from these situations but also all the situations were just so absurd like i was like <laughs> dorothy could have eat like literally dorothy at one point is being surrounded by these pillars and she's like oh no Bro. <laughs> and just like sits there for like 10 seconds and i'm like you could have easily ran through the co- like why oh, are you like it like and, like the scarecrow, like at one point, like you see the like the trash cans, like walking in on the scarecrow. Mind you, the scarecrow has at least uh, three extra feet on these trash cans, and then the <laughs> next scene, like his yes. whole arm up to the damn elbow, it's like in these trash cans. I was like, okay, y'all are clearly like, I'm like, what what is happening here? Um, <laughs> so the lion was like, I was courageous, and I'm like, I mean, yeah, but like these situations were like all just very silly. Toto was the only one that didn't get got. I don't know. I feel like Toto, mm-hmm. there's like something symbolic there, because um, mm. Toto was fine the entire movie. Honestly. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> like Toto was just like realized from the beginning, but um. But yeah, so I just like love the Lions arc. I love just like the like the comedic timing. Just like yeah, there's just such a um silliness there that I was like, I really like I really like this character. So <laughs> Yeah. And that and that song, that duet between um Dorothy and the Lion after they like escape the poppy the poppy club. Yeah. That song they sang that the sh- song. They sang the fuck out of that I was song. like, oh, oh my, god. my god. It was so good. So much emotion and vibrato. I was like, I don't know why. I was like, Diana Ross is a great singer. Yeah, Akko, that's <laughs> yeah. and Tony Morrison can write. Did you know? Oh, wow. Jeez. Oh man. Huh. Yeah. I also <laughs> the kids who were the munchkins. First of oh all, I like God. that they didn't take an offensive route with the Munchkins. I like that they just yeah, that was really nice to see that and to see Did them that as... happen in, in the original. Was it yes, 
yes, mm. yes, yes. Ooh, let me, yeah. let me just Google it. Let me just Google it. Keep talking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, ooh, that's a response. Shit. Yeah, but, but what I really, and I love this idea of like the kids had been stuck on a wall like the the evil evil mean had like made them caricatures or Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there there was a little bit almost a hint of like i don't know i guess you could say like the them stuck on the wall was almost like a police outline um yes yes and i was like oh you know and it's almost like and 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 the fact that she was a kindergarten teacher you know there was this like idea that you know her as as a black kindergarten teacher was basically saving these children from you know the mm. school to prison pipeline police brutality mm-hmm. and and so when they said like you saved us you saved us from our oppressors like it was mm-hmm. really really a meaningful line um mm-hmm. but it was also kind of a way to tell dorothy like you can move on now like you've done a lot for these kids yeah. you you are have influenced them a lot mm-hmm. um and i i really liked that sort of underlying metaphor of caring for kids and black kids and 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 the freeing them from an oppressor i just i love that so much also mm. these kids were amazing dancers there was one huh. kid they oh that girl. kid did like 10 backflips and then jumped on a skateboard i was like Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> oh man yeah i i, I love them i love them too i uh actually took a different route i thought the um well not so different but the munchkins themselves i loved them i thought that was a great way to kick off being in oz and Mm. i i looked at it more or less like respectability politics like because they say like she caught us graffitiing and then turned us into things like the punishment does not fit Mm. the crime like Mm. and because these black kids these black and brown bodies are doing something that you did especially back in the 70s graffiti was like a terrible thing but it was everywhere you know it was on some ways walls everything but it's like you're contributing to this thing that we don't deem as being respectable you're these little black kids you're skateboarding you're wearing these weird looking clothes though it was Mm. like an oz um version it still was that's still clothes people wore back then and still to this yeah. day but uh mm. but yeah i was like okay this and then like you said being on that skateboard seeing these black kids do things that nowadays when you look back the narrative is that that's a white thing white people skateboard and white people mm. do graffiti and white people but it's like no a lot of the talent music and a lot of things that we praise today has black roots or yeah. black beginnings that have been altered so now when you look back it's changed, you know. Yeah. Black women mm-hmm. having baby hairs now is something that's seen, you know, attributed to the Kardashians or something. It's like, yeah, right. no, this is mm. very much. Let me over police these black bodies for doing something that, regardless if it's wrong or right, it doesn't warrant that level of punishment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And 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 just the idea of turning children into caricatures, taking mm-hmm. away their humanity mm-hmm. and putting them on a wall. Like that was so powerful. I agree with you. I like your respectability yeah. politics Ooh. take. I like that yeah. a lot. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. that's that's but the, the scarecrow was my probably favorite out of out of everybody. Just seeing someone who is in a uncomfortable situation. And unaware that it's your own, not your own fault, not that. It is, you know, you have the tools to Mm. pull yourself Mm -hmm. out of it. And I felt it was very different from, like, say, the Tin Man who, you know, you could feel and whatever, but he physically and literally 
could get himself out of the situation, but because of all of this negative talk that you're surrounded around, again, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, moving back to respectability and black children, when mm-hmm. you're brought up, there's a lot of things that me as a black man, I did not have access to or experience until I went to college. And that could be something as minor as the diaspora. That could be something as, I'm sorry, as major as the, the diaspora and something as minor as, like, I don't know, a certain way to cook macaroni. That being said, when you're when you're school to prison pipeline, when you're a latchkey kid, when you're in an uh, area that is deemed undesirable and pumped full of drugs and guns or whatever else, you're going to have a very different way of looking at yourself in the world, regardless to how sunny your disposition might be. If this mm. is all you know... Until you're mm-hmm. able to experience, let's say, college for college in this movie would be Dorothy, someone who's more educated or has a different life experience coming into the Scarecrow's life, showing him you have those tools mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. resonated so much with me. It's like a lot of stuff you can probably get yourself out of, but it's not your fault. You just need to have a little bit more knowledge, a little bit more tools or understand how to navigate what you already have. And, oh, that spoke to me. That spoke to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And just like the presence of someone like, yeah, like the, the healthy presence of someone like Dorothy to be like, actually, yes, girl. Like you had, like, there's so much here. Like, like I'm just going to invest in you and believe in you. And like that, is so much to Mm. just like help people to actualize themselves. It's actually really interesting. Cause I remember watching the movie and being like, is Dorothy's character just like a metaphor for like positive self-talk? Like I just think so. like because like honestly, throughout pretty much the entire movie, like you know there'd be these moments, like you know with the lion, with the t- you know scare all all these different people. It was like they'd have these moments of um this like self-doubt yeah. or like self-deprecation, mm-hmm. and then Dorothy's like, um, actually, I'm not gonna let you see hear a shit on yourself like this. Like you're actually the shit, and they were like, you. You're right. You are right, Dorothy. And like it was just like I was like, huh? It's so interesting. I'm like I feel like the things that like. Yeah, the things that she was saying to them, I was like, I feel like this would be a really, like, a really healthy paradigm for, like, how we could just, like, kind of narrate our own lives internally Mm -hmm. and, like, speak Mm -hmm. to ourselves as we, you know, navigate, you know, different scenarios and and moments of difficulty and stuff like that. So, yeah. Well, that's, that's, uh, like, to your point, Marcy, that is the difference between this and the original Oz. In the original Mm -hmm. Oz, Wizard of Oz, Dorothy wants to see the Wiz to go home. She doesn't have her own thing that she's trying to overcome but Mm -hmm. in this version glinda is like you've had home with you all along but Mm -hmm. this this movie more explicitly says like dorothy's journey is about self-esteem and Mm. so if we're going with the metaphor that you've had it all along right she's able to give that self-esteem to others but doesn't see it in herself Mm -hmm. but she's had that self-esteem and and she's you know in the real world she's giving that self-esteem to kids but again still isn't giving it to herself Mm -hmm. so by the time she gets to the the movie like it's exactly your your point like then she realizes oh i have the self-esteem in me too to make the decisions Mm -hmm. that i'm always helping other people make um Mm -hmm. so i think you're right i think she is a metaphor for self-esteem and self-love yeah um yeah. God, I love this fucking movie. Oh yeah, my god, really I just—it's just so, it's so good. Um, yeah. I will say, I did want to. <laughs> Here we go. I did want to talk about Eveline's character because, okay, okay, okay. I know we had to like move the plot along, but why? Okay, for context, 
<laughs> Eveline gets so she has these like they, she calls them like the flying monkeys and like basically they like capture Dorothy and friends and like bring them to like her factory or whatever where she's like exploiting people blatantly and mm-hmm. so she's like oh like Dorothy hand over those like silver slippers that you wear in because like I need those whatever whatever and the one rule that Dorothy was told was like girl do not take off these goddamn mm-hmm. slippers until you get home because like do you want to go home keep these slippers on so she was like okay like I she was so she kept like you know baiting Dorothy to like hand them over. And, like, the scarecrow gestures towards this, like, fire alarm, like, switch that's, like, right behind Dorothy. And so Dorothy just ends up, like, pulling the fire alarm. Water, like, bursts from the ceiling and then, like, melts Eveline. And I was, like, just from, like, an engineering team, why the (laughs) fuck would you have a fire alarm that at the first pull is going to just eject water from the ceiling? If that is the one thing that kills you, that makes no sense. You spend so much time in this room. I'm, like, Eveline. Mm. Like... But then also, too, I'm like, maybe she, like, hired, like, a contractor to like, kind of help to, like, in the construction of this. And then, like, that person was also being exploited. So, like, included that as, like, a subversive, like, th- mm-hmm. like I, I don't know. I, like, went down this whole rabbit hole. But I was like, yeah. why, why the fuck would you put, your, put maybe, this? Maybe, Marcy, it's an arrogance or a hubris. Mm. You've relied on power so much that you're willing to, you would put this, you don't think anyone will pull that. You don't think anyone right. would overthrow you. Mm. You know, maybe. Yeah, or the or the contractor had, you know, right. <laughs> ill intent, or just carelessness. But I, I like I like mm. the hubris. I, I think that that definitely tracks for sure. Because I'm like, yeah, technically anyone could have pulled this at any time, but at any time. like no one did. But then so, that's also the thing about power, right? Like, right. how many times are you in a situation when you're like, I actually was fine, but I was scared mentally. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And and also, too, you know, I remember at th- when we were kind of introduced to Evelyn's character, like, you know, we saw, like, the crows coming in and, like, folks who were from, like, the Poppy Club. And, like, I was like, wait, did Evelyn, like, hire all these people to, like, like, did she coerce all the villains to try to, like, stop this from the very beginning? Like, was that, mm-hmm. or is that, am, am I reaching here? Did y'all get no, that? I mean, yeah, could, that I could make sense. That. Yeah. Okay. She did kill her sister, so. That's yeah. true. And also, Stop's like, um. The Poppy Seed Club, like, there really isn't anything else there except for it's a waylay tactic. You know what I mean? Like, mm. so it's like it could be the Wicked Witch, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so it just made me like kind of look more, I guess, sympathetically at the villainous characters from earlier. Where I'm like, were y'all just like kind of forced to do this? Like, were y'all like oh. coerced into all of this? Like, did Evelyn truly have like this empire where she was just exploiting literally everybody in Oz? But I mean, Miss One was like, hey guys, we. D- we gotta defeat the you know and like it's not yeah. like everyone was like oh if you get to it you know as a side note, <laughs> um if you could defeat the wicked <laughs> like i think she is a dictator and i think it is <laughs> sorry it is a metaphor for power because that isn't that how it is like when there is a structure on top everyone's actions mm-hmm. changes you know right mm. so, yeah yeah with with that, with all of that in mind, I wonder, and again, maybe my overactive imagination, was the Wiz sent there initially to do this very thing? Mm. Um, because mm. if he was sent there, I don't know how many years ago, and you had your own demons to overcome, this can't possibly be new. Like, the fact that you're able to rise to power here in Oz, and then Eveline has all of this power but it seems like the two good witches and then uh evelyn's sister didn't have like it it just felt like an mm. imbalance and if Dor- like i said if dorothy's able to be sent here which seems to be to get rid of the witch um 
was, was this not the job that Oz was supposed to take care of before? I think it was. I think you're exactly Ooh. right. And he, yeah. and he yeah. failed. <laughs> yeah. Horribly. And maybe she just grew. <laughs> yeah. And mm. you know, I think I think you're correct. I think that's what happened. And then his fatal flaw was that he never, he, he wanted the illusion of power as opposed to mm. actually change. And so he hid mm. behind... And it makes sense that he was a politician. Sorry, I'm not trying to come for all the politicians that don't listen to the show. But it it makes sense, right? He was like, I wanted to be a politician. But and and if if again we go with this idea of like you're supposed to go there and change and become who you are, he never got over the Mm -hmm. facade. Yeah. And he just saw Oz as a place where he could garner the power that he always wanted without having to actually evolve as a person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. which is just kind of look at the whiz and you're like why the fuck are we caping for you exactly like what exactly is the incentive here mm-hmm. um, but hmm. sim- similarly in the way that the original movie is supposed to be a critique of the of, of capitalism and money i think this is also mm-hmm. a critique of of not just capitalism and money but also of the government to say like our liberation will not come from a top-down structure our liberation comes from community and mental liberation um and similarly in the original gold path is a lie it's it's you get to the end and realize oh there was nothing about this path um Mm. And I think it was similarly, they got to the end, you got to the government and you're like, the government will help. And think about it, this is 10 years after 1969. Like this is 10 mm. years after the last two years of the, where it's like, there was such an appeal to the government to change or 10 years out. And you're like, that was a lie. The, the civil rights deal that the government told us mm. what changed mm. things was a lie. And so the only next move must be community and, and ourselves. Um, right. Huh, this movie is really, really subversive. Yes. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah. Mm, so interesting. So interesting. And then it makes me look at the people in like Emerald City. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, we're all hip to the facade here? Or we all just like what exactly I was like, what is mm. y'all's end of the deal? Like what like what is your incentive to like, you know, follow these categories? Like, okay, category's red and everyone's just switching it out. You know what I mean? Like it's like what is the incentive Status. here? Status. Um, yeah. yeah, and I remember status. too when when Dorothy was called up. You know, there was someone who was like, "Oh yeah, like you know, I, I was yeah, you know, I've been waiting for this for like two years." So I'm like, "We're y'all just all like in line, like just like caping for the next opportunity to kind of like leverage mm-hmm. this type of power." Mm-hmm. And then it just makes me look at like there, and it's so interesting because like when you initially watch it, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like because like so so when you're introduced to Emerald City, like there's like all these people. It's like very opulent. They're like strutting. Like it's just mm-hmm. like this very high kind of like opulent fantasy moment happening. Um. Which to me, I, I mean, I was living for it. I was like, oh, yes. But then, like, but next to that, I was also, you know, there was just like kind of this like confidence and almost like an arrogance, really, that people were sort mm-hmm. of moving with. Um, and I was like, this is a really interesting exploration of like, and like, they're all like, just like so sequestered. Like they literally are behind like a vault. Like you need like a code to get in. Mm-hmm. There's just a very inaccessible like ability to just like kind of like truly just be like insulated from the rest of the world and what's going yeah. on and like only focus on like not even power, but like the illusion of power. It's just mm-hmm. oh my god, it's just really interesting. Hmm. And it felt very like Wall Street, you know, like yeah. She started mm-hmm. in Harlem. She got to to Wall Street, the seat of all this money and power. And if you think about like again talking about like the depression, there was a depre- there was a, a mini depression in the nineteen seventies. Um, yeah, and I think inflation went up really high, and and the way that money as we've had it in the like mid 
20th century, actually since we changed from the gold standard, but mm-hmm. isn't, isn't backed by anything, right? It's just a matter of the whims of like the government. <laughs> like money doesn't right. have any real meaning. So it's like, now this is valuable, especially on Wall Street, things become, stocks can become valuable literally out of nowhere. I mean, we all lived through the 2008 <laughs> crisis yeah. where suddenly this thing is valuable suddenly it means nothing in fact it's never meant anything and how could you ever believe it meant anything <laughs> like two seconds later that's like this thing that everyone thought was useless is now the most important thing you know it mm. it, it, it gave very much like a wall street money emptiness vibe but 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 i mean how much how much significance is placed on wall street how much like an idea of success is made out of people who who are stockbrokers or you know yeah. New York money people so especially in the 80s my god that's the Donald Trump era that's the hey. yeah. all of that greed is good yep greed mm. is good yeah makes yeah. me think but, of Poe's and um, Paris is Burning even though Paris is Burning wasn't focusing on the um, on the wealth and the status in the traditional sense, like with stocks and Wall Street and whatnot, having so many categories and so many different um, things within the ballroom community where you were emulating that, where were you right. passing that? Did you look like a successful Wall Street mm-hmm. banker? Did you look like a yeah. wealthy woman with a billionaire husband? Like a lot, a lot mm-hmm. of things. Ah, uh, uh, but go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, that's so interesting because. Because I even think about, yeah, like, because, I mean, it was kind of like a ball, honestly, Mm -hmm. like, watching Emerald City. So, was this all just, like, a queer commentary on, like... I mean... The illusion of opulence and, like, kind of, like... A desire to, like, approximate ourselves to, like, wealth and, like, Mm -hmm. palatability? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, look at the first episode of Pose, though it's based off of a real-life event that happened, like, they... The house of... Evangelista went into a museum and stole so many mm. I don't know what is it yeah. 16th century crowns yep. and mm-hmm. uh, uh, clothing dresses and so, like that literally kicked off the show that's based mm. in the 80s you look at that you look at the documented Paris is burning you look really anything at that time and it's mm-hmm. wealth it's opulence it's living this suburban mm. life it's the Hamptons you get like mm. the preppy like even if you look at Gossip Girl if you trace that back Gossip Girl is within this space of like this white not white privileged, but white and privileged and wealthy that mm-hmm. and that preppy. You can track it all the way back to like it's just a reproduction of that eighties um mm-hmm. uh, aesthetic and yeah. just kind of you know, so I look, look, mm-hmm. <laughs> even if you look at like the um and this may be a bit left field but if you look at the dark academia aesthetic that is alive in a lot of books tv shows and Mm -hmm. movies that's something that's very eurocentric and it it follows that you can trace a lot of that all the way back to this 80s or even further past that where it's like status wealth greed what is of value and why Mm -hmm. certain people have it and other people emulate it hell Mm -hmm. cinderella herself you know though she was wealthy before her that stepmama took all her money Right. And she, for a night, was able to be this beautiful, wealthy. Well, it's just, uh, go mm. ahead, because I'll be talking for hours. I just this is so interesting because it yeah. makes me think about: Are these? I know is there almost like this tacit vilification of like poverty and like yep. not having access? It's like because yeah, like there is like this. I mean, I guess in this movie, it's a little bit different. I mean, but even then, you know, she had the no, the silver. I think- this. 
Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry, sorry. No, yeah, like even like with the silver shoes, it's like this, like it's like it seems like there's. I, I'm noticing the more you talk that like. I feel like, yeah, these symbols of, like, virtue or, like, things that are, like, kind of coded in, like, a good moral sense tend to kind of have this, like, kind of opulent, sort of wealthy aesthetic to it. Um, Mm -hmm. Feels like, I don't know, tacit capitalist propaganda, honestly. Um, Really? I thought it was the the opposite. I thought they were... They were saying capitalism was bad. That's why the Emerald City is a lie. And... Oh, sorry, continue. No, 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 keep going, keep going. I was going to say... Yeah. (laughs) It was like, right, because the, the, right, they get to Emerald City and they can't defeat the Wicked Witch. Like, Emerald mm. City is thriving under the Wicked Witch, even though the way is Richard Pryor knows that he has to defeat her. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And it's it's all the stuff, the other stuff they do, all the things they get past, you know? They get past mm. the, the Emerald City. They come back and they denounce it. They're like, this is, whole thing is fraudulent. You're a fraud. This is a fraud. Capitalism is a fraud. I think, mm. I, granted, she does have the silver shoes that she's not supposed to take off, but she also didn't, like, those weren't her shoes. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so. Interesting. And it's a yeah. thing. Yeah, sorry, continue. No, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Keep going. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I want to listen to your, your point. Because no, I was, I was going to say, yeah, because so I actually agree with you. I do think that like the commentary overall was one in which that was critiquing capitalism. But I guess what I was saying was just more so like just not even just specifically in this movie, but just kind of in general. I feel like uh. I think about just like these things, like the symbol of the shoes, right? The symbol of like them being the source of like, okay, like with these, you can like go back home and stuff like that. I don't know. I just feel like sometimes it... I gotta like. I feel like I gotta marinate on this and really like before I can like fully have a thought. But, I think, but like, I, I think there is sometimes like I think things that are kind of a bit more opulent, a bit, a bit more like, yeah, just kind of like fancier. These like fancy symbols tend to be sort of like seen as virtuous or like kind of put yeah. in like this kind of good light. Does, like, am I making like any no, sense? No, yeah, you're, you're very right. So the thing is, uh, actually, to just like give some like literary merit, it doesn't matter because you're right just because you're right. But the other <laughs> part is, if you look at the romance period of literature, in particular, mm-hmm. Frankenstein is a really good example. All the good people, even if they're in a bad lower position, you can just tell that they were good once. And by good, we mean mm-hmm. of a higher status. Like, mm-hmm. And it'll yeah. be like, she literally, I remember reading one of line and Frank and Frankenstein and they were like I think it's the main love character who ends up getting killed because the man is useless in that story but um and they were like they found her like covered in grime and dirt but when they uncovered her face she was clearly of higher class and like mm. because of that she had been such a moral good person even in this terrible circumstance you know and it's yeah. like this you're exactly correct there's this equivocation of money and goodness and I think mm-hmm. I'm I think the story tries to denounce that but mm-hmm. Maybe you're like actually not entirely. And and I will say I think I do think it does. Like I you know, I think about, for example, everyone's like aesthetic and like, you know, move throughout the movie, right? And like I don't think that anyone's really changed. It's not like, oh, once they did, you know, defeated the Wicked Witch, like I don't know, they all had like these glamorous makeovers or like anything <laughs> like that. I guess like I'm just I'm specifically just interested about the shoes. But even with the shoes, it's interesting because I mean that was just kind of handed to Dorothy. Mm-hmm. And so I like mm-hmm. if we don't really know the history of them. I'm like, is this something that like maybe Evelyn herself created and like lost and like it was kind of a like I don't know a subversive tactic to like just have Dorothy wear like I'm just curious where they come from and like why exactly those Oh are my God. Sorry. I keep no, no, saying no, no, like yeah. I keep talking about how the book the 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 book is subversive and like 
about the gold critique of the gold standard. Thank you for bringing this up because in the movie, and this is why Dorothy's shoes are red. So it's like, mm-hmm. why are they silver in this one? In the original book, they're silver because the idea was that the gold standard was bad and we should switch to the silver standard and silver standard would, I think, give the populace more money. I think mm-hmm. some social political okay, person can come, can come and correct huh. me. But it was, I think it was populism and they were trying to... Wow. Yes, 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 yes. They wanted to... a. Um, give money and empowerment to people of lower socioeconomic income, factory workers, mm-hmm. farmers. Mm-hmm. And that's why she's walking on the yellow brick road yeah. with silver shoes. It's mm-hmm. it's a metaphor. I think it was so subversive that the writers actually kind of got in trouble. And it might even be why they changed the shoes to red. Because they were like, let's wow. get this metaphor out of here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Holy shit. I could see that. Yeah. And to have this in a black cast, exactly. in a black Oz, holy exactly. shit! That's what I mean. Like when I thought about the fact that you chose this subverse, this movie that was already subversive about capitalism and made it a black cast. Whoever decided to do this was a gene. Like that person was a literary mm-hmm. like a- an- analysis. Yeah. Whew. Wow. Anyway, okay. thank you for bringing that up because I wasn't going to remember if you hadn't pointed out. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow, Whew, this is that's a lot. I'm with it. I'm with y'all every step of the way. I, um, something else I did want to point out, uh, and then this this is more or less for those listeners who may be into comics, is that there's always this conversation about why make Superman black? Why not just make your own black characters? This, that, and the third. And when yeah. you're looking at this movie held up next to the original, to me, it's honestly very different. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You could change the setting. Like this movie feels like it could stand on its own, separate from The Wizard of Oz, whereas it's not like a, a beat for beat remake of right. the original movie. And even if so, it's like, so what? But I do like everything that you guys have said. Um amplify when black people get our hands on things. And I'm not even going to say that we are so much more talented than other people. I'm going to say that the main dominant society is so homogenized, like it's so white, mm-hmm. that when you do mm-hmm. get something that has a different lived experience, you get something that feels so amazing, even to other people, i.e. something like Black Panther from 2018. Yeah. You couldn't escape it. And mm-hmm. um, it's because it's so different from the white standard that is constantly shoved down the world's throat not just america but the world so when you do get stuff like this whereas this is a fantastic movie even with it being a remake or based off of the original which was a white story and the same thing even with uh, rogers and hammerstein's uh cinderella the same Mm -hmm. thing with um any anything that is black or of color that deviates from the norm like this I could see this movie, give The Wizard of Oz and The Wiz and hand it over to an all-Asian creative team and let them say, Mm -hmm. okay, now, what story do you want to get out with Mm -hmm. this being the bare bones of Mm -hmm. beginning, middle, and end? And so, as fantastic as this movie is, and I'm not saying black people aren't great because we are, it's great, but then it's also great, is it in spite of whiteness? What am I trying to say? 
Ooh, I don't know. I don't, don't want to say it wrong, but <laughs> it builds on. It builds on. It, it adds its own to it and it elevates it. Is what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, absolutely. And it becomes mm-hmm. its own thing. Um, right. I do think that, of course, it's based off Wizard of Oz, but there's no way that you're going to look at both of these movies and say this one is bad just because the cast is black. Like this is a mm-hmm. whole nother movie. Like if someone yeah. watches this first, yeah. they could watch The Wizard of Oz. They could see all the um, parallels and similarities, but this is a whole nother movie. (laughs) But also like to your point, like, okay, there are myths and legends and fairy Mm -hmm. tales Mm -hmm. that people retell differently in so many different ways. Disney in particular (laughs) has taken so many stories. By the way, the original Cinderella, people aren't entirely sure where it comes from, but their origins in China, (laughs) Egypt, Greece. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. let's not pretend that America hasn't taken fairy, yeah, hasn't taken fairy tales and stories Mm -hmm. and built on them, which by the way, is the point of fairy tales and stories. It's only under Mm -hmm. capitalism and copyright intellectual property that we get this regime of ownership of storytelling. Um, Mm -hmm. If you look way back at stories and oral traditions, you know, the Iliad, the Odyssey, Ah. wherever Mm -hmm. you want to go, people, there are so many, or even, you know, for my family, so many like African fairy tales, like, you know, they're, everyone has a variation on them there's mm-hmm. a thousand variations because stories are to be told and changed and nuanced and created to suit your circumstance and your cultural life that that's the mm-hmm. point and the wizard of oz is a great framework it's just another myth another legend to be used by other people mm-hmm. it's so interesting because we were talking about hamilton right and I, <laughs> me and marcy were like this doesn't feel as good or as subversive as the whiz and it's not but it's mm-hmm. also another myth it's mm-hmm. another myth that someone took and made a type of black brown story right mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. was the point right was to make this myth not my favorite because it's talking alexander hamilton was one a jerk sexist and also very <laughs> capitalistic <laughs> to yeah. the point of like anyway but uh, to be fair <laughs> we did need a federal bl- bank but that's the point and also he was like anti-slavery and, and Thomas Jefferson was like farms for days and let's not end slavery and you're like wow Thomas Jefferson seems like a little contrarian <laughs> to what you wrote <laughs> it's constitution it's whatever it's fine it's fine but Yo. the point is <laughs> um, but he was like well just America is made to be agrarian and you're like you your agrarian culture is literally based on the enslavement of people and he was like what yeah. and you're like I can't stand you but um the point is, it's a myth. It's a myth, and it, what is subversive about it, and where the through line is between Hamilton and The Wiz, which I didn't see yesterday, is that it is taking it in a, and applying it to us and saying we belong in this story too, just like mm. every other story that we mm. make ourselves. That's what Cinderella does. It says we belong in this story too. And and white supremacy, whiteness, tries to dehumanize us by saying that we're mm-hmm. doing something by putting ourselves in this global conversation of mythologies, fairy tales, and storytelling, right. which is absurd. <laughs> right. So anyway... I, I want to mm. jump in. I want to. Yeah, I, yeah. Rain, Sam. So, What's up? Piggybacking off of that, I 
venture to say this story does not have a time. I say that because, yes, mm-hmm. 1978, 79, we, we have this generic holiday or whatnot. It's never given a concrete Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas, or whatever. It, we know mm-hmm. that it's in New York because that's where it's set. This is the 70s. But if you're looking at everything you said and the very, not to be, oh, that's kind of reductive, but Afrofuturism at its core is we are in these stories as well. The mm. whole journey through Oz, though it is um, hints and variations of New York, it is not given a time. The mm-hmm. uh, aesthetic is mm-hmm. so distorted and different. It's very much that Afrofuturistic, yes. this is what could be. So that yes. being said... Mm-hmm. This, to me, is more of a timeless film because even if you cut this movie off, if you start it when she blows into Oz and you end it right when she clicks her heels and you take off the, like, 1979 Mm -hmm. aspects of it, it does Mm -hmm. not take away from Black people are here. This is a predominantly Black space. It Mm -hmm. looks nothing like the contemporary life you live in being 1970s or 2021. And like mm-hmm. you said, we are in these stories as well. So it mm-hmm. gives you horror. It gives you uh, love. Um, it gives you that, 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 um, oh, I don't know the Italian or Greek word for it, but that friendship love, it gives you that greed. Mm-hmm. It gives you, it gives you every aspect of society mm-hmm. that you'll get in any other story, but it's showing you that this is a black story. It never says white people are evil. It never says, you know, F Trump, you know, like it would, but like it doesn't say. I mean, if it did, I'd be like, yes, God. <laughs> That's the end credit scene. But it's it's giving right. you a very <laughs> maybe kind of sort of ahead of its time. Well, yeah, it's give you an Afrofuturistic story that can be enjoyed from one decade to the next, mm. and. I just just repeat what you said. We are in these stories too. A lot of white science fiction space shows and futuristic shows and post-apocalyptic. There's like maybe a token black person. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. maybe a token Asian person. And it's like, how do you consume all this media and still as a white person? Me, I'm black as hell. When I write stories and when I tell stories... I have white people in them, not for like white supremacy, but white people exist in this world. How can right. I tell a, a story of 3032 and not have no one p- white person oh in my it? God. You know? Yes. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And to think that's normal and to not think in any way that your imagination has been colonized, not just as black people, but as white folks. Yes. You, that doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. You've projected into the future and we're on a different planet. There's blue mm-hmm. people, you know, mm-hmm. Come on. and there's no black people. <laughs> Right. Yeah, but there's no, black no, no people of color except for one or two. You're like, well, what happened to? And the, what's crazy is you're like, so the the continents of Africa, China, and and the the subcontinent of of, of India have the highest population of humans, mm. but somehow mm. we got to space and all of us disappeared. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Every future movie should be a tragedy then because it was you look because mm. there's nowhere to go from there. Like, the, what mm. invention? What engine? Like. Ah, it just frustrates me to no end. That's why I go back to my thesis statement again. If you put more black and brown and differently abled and queer, the whole if you put more people that are not cishet white folks into these stories, because you're people look at this and they're like, and again, this is my own personal <laughs> coming in. <laughs> when I started my podcast, 
people who I were friends with, I didn't take it offensively, were telling me, well, do you even have enough content to last a year? I'm going on five years now. There's For content comics? there. Yes. Um, well, well, I specifically focus on black and brown people, characters in the comics. And they're like, oh, well, is there even enough? Yes, there are. But yeah, the very fact that you're asking exactly. is the problem, is the right. reason for it. If every story you write as a white person, you put it in this future and you have this wonderful mm-hmm. society, and then there's one black person or no black people, you are solidifying, you're manifesting your very own issues, your very own biases, and you're putting them in these books. And that's one thing, and that's fine. Everybody has their own individual thoughts or whatnot. But when it, when the books are dominated by people who think that way, so that mm-hmm. when I make my little science fiction book with my black brown self, and it is engulfed by hundreds thousands of other books by white folks who say the exact opposite when my kids and my grandkids read these books from the past that's why i say this reminds me of lovecraft country they are (laughs) inundated with all of this whiteness Mm -hmm. and in a space where they are not accounted for and that's a problem that is a problem because me growing up in the 90s, I love Friends, Man About You, Dharma and Greg, uh, all of these white shows that have helped shape the way that I view comedy. But mm-hmm. that's because that's what was available. And I okay. had to mm-hmm. find myself in that or I had to find humor in it. So then when Living Single and Martin and Ooh. all these other black shows come along, it's like, or even hell, Generation, you know, these shows where you have these <laughs> queer kids and these black kids and you look like, oh, well, this is your putting this... Um, Social justice worker, and you're putting all this uh, this queer stuff down my throat. It's, no, it's not. It's so they just exist. People just exist. I, it's, yeah, and people the just stories exist. need to be told, and just because it makes you uncomfortable doesn't mean it is less true. It's mm-hmm. still true. So, mm-hmm. that's what Rain, you spoke first of all. I, there are three. <laughs> the first thing I want to say is your point about Afrofuturism is so well taken because at the crux of Afrofuturism is the possibility and the imagination Come on. of us. It is us, and we use future because we're linear beings, right? We're Mm time-based beings, and we look, we project forward. But in that, if we expand what it means to say Afrofuturism, Afro, Afro, Afrocentric people in the future, it is to say the possible, the endless possibilities of Black people to create a world that is not presently here. That is what the future represents. And so, Mm. your point is so well taken, right? Because. When you cut this off from 1979, the crux of this story is the possibilities of us, the possibility of our liberation. And it tracks so well when people say things like, I am my ancestors' wildest dreams. Mm-hmm. That's Afrofuturistic thinking, right? It's, I am this, this forward projection of self. So I love that you said that. Um, I also consider myself an Afrofuturist. So come on, <laughs> that's why come on. And then the second thing that I really love about it is, okay, Marty, I do talk about this other show. I get so irritated about fantasy when it just repeats. <laughs> Marcy's chuckling because I always talk about this. I'm like, if you are going to make a fantastical world, why in God's green earth would you just take all the things about the real world and put them in the story and then make it seem like those things are intrinsic to the human experience. You're, mm-hmm. You had a whole world. You had a whole fantastic... That's the beauty of fantasy is that it's uh. not real. And so in that, you can deconstruct so many things. And a lot mm-hmm. of times people actually use it to construct the same oppressive realities that we have against women, against queer folks, against people of color. Yeah. And then... 
The third thing, which I always reference, I feel like I've referenced this one talk I saw with Tennessee Coates once, like 15 times. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like people could tell who I actually was in real life by how many times I've referenced this. But um, I went to see him and he was like, I didn't go to see him. Like, I just had a coffee. I was a (laughs) talk. Me and my friend. No. Um, But he was talking about how. He got into this whole thing where he was like, Black Panther is probably the most important thing I've ever written. Out of all the books I've written, Black Panther is the most important because exactly to this point, it is the projection of, of us, our mm-hmm. sentience, our bodies into the future. And not just that, we it is the imagination of us. And he said, imagination or literature, comics, this pop culture stuff decides who is human 20 years mm-hmm. from now. Mm-hmm. Cool. And I thought that was so strong. And he said when I, he was like that backlash people saw when from white America, when they were like, Wakanda's not real. Why are these people getting so worked up about Wakanda that's not real? Come to mm-hmm. find, you click on their, their Twitter page, comes to find out they've got all this love about Game of Thrones. And and Star Wars. <laughs> and like all this other Star show. Wars, yeah. Which, you know, those aren't real either. When he was mm-hmm. pointing out, he's like, they are not angry that this world isn't real. What they're angry is, they know, you know, they're they're trying to be dismissive about something they know is true, which is that media is powerful. Imagination mm-hmm. is powerful. And to mm-hmm. control how people imagine and view themselves is a way to to control them and and yep. to have mm-hmm. have Black Panther to have Get Out to have The Wiz to have Brandy Cinderella is to say that we are not colonized in our minds, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if we are not mentally colonized, the inevitability of our freedom is set. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So come on, that's what I think. But you know, Look, it's hard to agree. Hard, <laughs> hard, aggressive, hard agree. agree. No, for real. That, mm. And you know, I feel like that is a fabulous, wonderful place <laughs> to put a period on this conversation. Um, I guess before we transition, is there anything else just about this movie that anyone wanted to say? Like any other residual thoughts or anything like that? I just love it. And even if you don't take any like social commentary from it at all, it's beautiful and you it's should just, just so good. watch it's so good. it yeah, yeah yeah i agree i think if you if you break it down there's something for you there either the music is great maybe the aesthetic right. is great maybe mm-hmm. the acting is great maybe the costuming i think it's something there for everybody it might not be the whole package but i think there is an aspect of this movie that you that could resonate with you as a person as a listener i agree Definitely. i will say i will say there are a couple like Eveline is dark skinned and mm-hmm. larger in size, and mm-hmm. you know Glinda is light skinned, almost white passing. Which, again, I'm not going to come from Lena Horne because she actually had to go through a lot to be a black actress starting in like the early 20th century. She is amazing, mm-hmm. and she has never mm-hmm. denied her blackness, even though she could very well pass. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not going to try to say anything about that. But that that dichotomy, you know, just want to point out that colorism. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. but. If you have your own thoughts and love and praise of the show, you can tell us at The Color Pages or you can reach out to us at thesecolorpages.com. And Rain, where can people find and talk to you? Um, on Twitter is where I am always, <laughs> always held up on Twitter talking some mess. Um, if you're on Twitter, uh, <laughs> with the, uh, the username carefree blurred, carefree black nerd everywhere else. And a direct line to all my shows and social medias is my link tree, uh, link tr.ee carefree black nerd. 
Love it. Yes. And while you are checking out Rain's link tree, you can go check out our link tree, which has our summer short reads and what we're reading next. Also, you can go to our email, thesecolorpages at dmail.com. Send us a message. You know, Rain is super cool. Please have him on another episode. Oh, you're so right. We'll email you back. We have a website, thesecolorpages.com. So check that out. And yeah, and just, you know, come with us on the summer short journey. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And yes, so, uh, Rain, thank you so much again for just coming on to the show. We really, really appreciate this conversation. This was so dope. And for everyone listening, if this show brought you any love, light, delight, mm, feel free to leave us some love (laughs) wherever you're listening to this podcast, which could be Apple Podcasts or not so we always appreciate any kind of love any sort of like reviews or shout outs or anything like that also if you, there are just any folks in your life who you're like you know what you know what you need right now this like magical ass movie you know what you need right now like anti-capitalist like references within this movie like just forward this along to anyone who you think would benefit from this or any other episodes of ours that you think have a have a loving message that could spread to others that would be receptive to it we definitely really really appreciate it and we love just like yeah just hearing from you all and seeing this community um, express and also grow larger. So aside from that, our next book will actually be The Labyrinth's Archivist by Day Al-Muhammad, um, which is a novella that's kind of like giving mystery energy, you know, mm. just a little something, a little interesting or whatever. whatever. <laughs> um, but yes, so all that being said, between now and then, Akko, is there anything else we should leave our listeners with before we head out? Huh, that's a great question, Marcy. But no, I don't think I have anything. <laughs> just until we see you next time, just remember to stay, stay colorful. colorful.